0: Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. My name is Laura. I serve here as a pastor of Spiritual Formation and actually been a part of this church for 28 years now. As I was sitting on that front pew, that is a good seat actually um, because You can hear what's happening here and what's happening there. I am just kind of filled with gratitude to hear us worship together and that I've gotten to be a part of this church family for so many years. Um, We've raised our kids here, Nate and I, and it's just been a great place, and I'm grateful to be here with you today. So in the share house this summer, our two kids are now adults, and we're getting ready for empty nest. I can't hardly believe it. Our son, we take him to Indiana in like two weeks and drop him off for his freshman year. He's my baby. And then our daughter decided also to study in Spain this year. So they are both leaving us. And I hear empty nest can be great. Would you agree with that, some of you? Yes? Okay. Okay, thanks. I'm glad to hear that. I keep saying to my husband, "Uh, at least I still like you. Like, I think we're going to be okay. And I think he likes me too. So we're going to survive. Um, But that's what our summer looks like is uh, soaking up time with the kids and preparing for a new season of life. Well, we're gonna go to the word today. We're in this series called The Invisible War, this idea that there is a spiritual battle in the unseen world that you and I need to understand and also be prepared to engage in. And so what does that look like for us? And today we're talking about the weapons that we use. What are the weapons of our warfare Today I'm going to talk about one weapon in particular that you can use in a variety of ways. And then next weekend, Jennifer finishes the series with some more weapons of warfare. Let's look at one of the foundational scriptures of this idea. We've seen it before, but let's remind ourselves. Paul says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil, in the heavenly realms. Today I want us to notice the adjective that comes before the world of the enemy, it is dark. And so today we're asking the question, what is the weapon that we wield against darkness? How do we combat the dark world? And of course, I know you're thinking exactly like I was this week, right? It's with one of these bad boys, (laughs) the lightsaber. One survey says that this is the fan favorite of film history weaponry, and it should be. It cuts, melts, and burns through any substance without resistance. How many of you own one of these in your homes? True, yes, a lot of Star Wars fans. So when I was looking for one of these, I emailed our staff. Anybody have a really cool, awesome lightsaber? I got three responses right away, and none of them were five-year-old boys. Just saying. So. Pretty popular weapon. Uh, In all seriousness, in the physical world, you and I know that what we use to combat darkness is light, right? It's obvious. You walk into a dark room and you flip the light switch on. You get into your car at night, you turn on those lights so you can see through the dark. You're camping and you have to go potty in the middle of the night. What do you grab? One of these, right? So you can find your way. We know that the light is what exposes the things that we need to see and illuminates the things that we need to see. And without light, we trip, we fall, and we don't make it to the bathroom. So that is our topic today. Not the bathroom, but the light. We're going to look at John chapter 8. I'd love for you to turn there with me. In your pew Bibles, it is 1689, John chapter 8, there's a Bible in front of you, in the rack, in the pew. Also, you might, might have a Bible on your phone or might have brought one with you. John chapter eight. And I'd love for you to follow along as I read verses one through 12. Verse one, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Verse 12 Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light. Of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So the Pharisees are attempting to trap Jesus, to expose him for the liar that they believe he is, the blasphemer. They try to expose Jesus. And they've exposed this woman, they throw her in front of this crowd, an object of debate. But what happens when they encounter the light of the world? He turns the tables and ends up exposing them. We see that the light of the world shines on the Pharisees and their hidden motives are suddenly exposed. The hidden places of self-righteousness, of religious legalism, of hypocrisy come to light. And then what happens? How do they respond? They leave. The accuser flees the scene because the light of the world has shed his light. So we're left with Jesus and the woman. And she too encounters the light of the world. And what does she experience? Mercy and hope. I do not condemn you. Now go, sin no more. Mercy in the form of a man who looks at her as a person not as an object to be used or abused. Mercy in the form of protection from her accusers. Mercy in the form of words of forgiveness and release. She receives hope. Hope in the form of a second chance, maybe even a third, fourth, fifth chance. We don't know the backstory here, but a chance to do it differently. Hope in the form of a strategy for how to do life differently. Go, sin no more. There's a better way. The woman is exposed to the light, and she receives mercy and hope, and the enemy had to flee. So here's what you and I need to know is that the enemy in this spiritual battle, he operates best in the dark, in the hidden places. He looks for them. He fosters them. He, he sneaks into them and gets access. These footholds that we've been talking about, they are in the dark. And we could easily look at this story and say, well, those are the Pharisees and that's the adulteress." But let's be honest, you and I all have hidden dark places in our lives. Some of them we know about, Some of them we just don't want anybody else to know about. That's how they say hidden. Some of them we don't know about. We're in denial. We all have blind spots. We all have hidden dark places that the enemy loves to use for his purposes. So our question today is, how do we wield the weapon of light against the dark deeds and world of the enemy so that... The light of the world can shine. The enemy has to flee and we receive mercy and hope. And my challenge to us today is that we wield the weapon of light by living confessionally. Now I know even as I say the word confession, in this room there are probably some reactions or bad tastes in our mouth. For some of us, confession has always been just shame. For some of us, confession came on us from an abusive religious authority. Many of us have a misunderstanding about God's heart and his character when it comes to confession, that we confess to keep him happy and not angry with us. We confess to secure our ever-tenuous salvation. But I'm here to say that when we live honestly before the Lord, we hear the words, I do not condemn you. Go, sin no more. Mercy and hope. And that is why I would give us this challenge, because of who we get to confess to this Jesus, not just in this story, but all over Scripture, God's heart and character of mercy and hope. This is why we live confessionally before Him. I wanna suggest one tool that could be helpful. So, how do I live confessionally? We can live confessionally by regularly praying Psalm 139 prayers. Psalm 139 is a beautiful psalm from start to finish. And at the end, two verses, David writes a psalm, words of confession, inviting God to expose. He says this, search me, O God, know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me. That offends you, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. These are words that you and I can pray daily, breath prayers. Whether you memorize these words, whether you write them down and put them in a place where you can see them often, or you just you pray them in your own words, these can lead to confessional lifestyle. God, light of the world, expose in me any hidden dark areas that stand in the way of me being able to live like you and lead me in your way everlasting because there's a better way. Go and sin no more. David also wrote a Psalm 32 that describes what happened in his life when he wasn't living confessionally. He had just committed some horrible, horrible acts, murder and adultery, and he tried to keep them hidden, of course. He didn't want anyone to know. He didn't want to think about it himself, probably. And he was confronted by a prophet, by God. Fortunately, he responded, and these are his words. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. I want to say that again. Whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, my strength evaporated like water in summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt was gone. Can you hear it? He had that experience of being exposed to the light of the world. And the enemy who was weighing him down and oppressing him had to flee. And he heard those words of mercy and hope. I do not condemn you and there is a better way to live. Go and sin no more. You and I wield the weapon of of light in our lives. When we invite the light of the world to expose those dark places, the enemy then has no room to operate in us and we receive mercy and hope. For me lately, what this has looked like is I've been leaning into a more confessional lifestyle and praying words like Psalm 139. Um, I've sensed God convicting me in the area specifically of my words, my conversations that I get into. As often at the end of the day, I'll just kind of go back over the day with God. God, would you search me? Expose anything in me that is not your heart. And I'll sense him reminding me of conversations that I've been in. Like, uh, Laura, that was probably not your story to tell about somebody. That's gossip and it hurts. Laura, when you spoke those words, uh, you weren't being completely honest. There's some hidden motives there that I want you to be aware of. Laura, when you threw that person under the bus, oh, it was just a joke, but that hurts. That's not my character. And as God is convicting me, it's in kindness, it's direct, right, direct truth, Um, it's true about me, and it's in kindness, and the purpose is so that God can lead me in the way everlasting, and I I can tell. He's beginning to change the way I talk, the way I think before. Did you know that you don't have to say everything that comes to mind? (laughs) Go figure. Um, So teach me how to think before I speak. Teach me how to go make amends when the words that come out of my mouth are not right. To go make apologies and to own that. That has been what it's looked like for me, this, this confessional living. And it's not easy. It's not always fun. But the heart of mercy and hope and the devil not having a place in me to use my words for his purpose, beginning to experience the heart of God in confession. Let's look at now another way that we wield this weapon of light against the dark world of the enemy. And we're gonna look uh, once more at John chapter eight later in the chapter. I'm gonna have it on screen for you Verses 43 through 47. Jesus is still in conversation with the Pharisees. This back and forth debate. They're trying to trap him. And he responds like this. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father, the devil. And you love to do the evil things that he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. Now, there's a lot here. So I wanna summarize what we, what we hear Jesus saying about the devil, that he is a liar, He hates the truth, there is no truth in him, and the people can't hear Jesus because they're listening to the lies of the enemy. Let's take this and apply it to the story that we read, verses one through 11. So the adulterous woman, we're at that scene and we can begin to recognize some of these kinds of lies of the enemy. The first one I wanna point out is that the, the devil has been lying to the Pharisees. Since day one that Jesus stepped on the scene, the lie was, he is not the son of God. He is not the Messiah. He is blasphemous. Do not trust him. Actually, he should be arrested. These are lies of the devil about who Jesus is. Second kind of lie that I want to point out is, once again, the devil lying to the Pharisees about what it looks like to follow God. We can see that they wanted to follow every rule to the letter of the law. But Jesus said the law is about loving God and loving others. And in this scene, we don't see that, the heart of the law. We only see the letter of the law. The enemy is lying to them about what it looks like to follow God. And thirdly, we see a lie about the woman, that she is in fact worthless and unforgivable. These are the kinds of lies that the enemy loves to tell us. Lies about who God is, lies about what it looks like to follow him, and lies about who we are. Let's pause and think about this in our own lives. Can you begin to recognize some of those lies? that Maybe the devil loves to whisper or shout at you. Lies about who God is that he is indeed angry, that maybe he sees everyone else, but he doesn't see you. He's looked over you. Lies about who God is. Lies about what it looks like to follow God. Maybe the lie is, I I need to do more. I need to be better. I need to do more in order to keep him happy. Lies about who you are. Maybe that you are unforgivable that you are not enough. These are the lies the enemy loves to speak into our lives. One more scripture from this same passage. It's earlier in the conversation, verses 31 and 32. They might be familiar to you. Jesus says to the Jews who believed him in the crowd, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Let's summarize what we're hearing about Jesus in this text. That Jesus offers us a way to hear and know truth. This truth leads to freedom. The devil is a liar. There is no truth in him. The Pharisees cannot hear Jesus because they're listening to his lies. And Jesus gives us a way to hear and know the kind of truth that leads to freedom. So the question is, how do you and I, once again, how do we wield this weapon of light in a way that exposes the lies of the enemy and illuminates the truth of God? This is the question that we're asking. I want to go to two phrases that Jesus speaks in this passage to help us answer that question. The first phrase is, listen gladly to the words of God. In verse 47, Jesus says, anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. The Pharisees were listening to the lies of the devil, but there's a way to listen gladly to my words. And as I talk about a couple of steps of how to do this, you might notice some repetition from a couple weeks back when Steve taught on the three R's. It was remember, renounce, and reclaim, And I'm intentionally repeating this kind of a process with some different words. I think it's a really important way of praying and healing and shedding light in our lives. So listening gladly to the words of God, specific to the lies of the enemy. First, we get to ask God to reveal lies, to expose them. Light of the world, what are the lies that I'm believing, that I'm hearing? And this is really important because often... We don't even know that they're lies. They were planted so long ago. They've been a part of our thinking and our psyche for so long that we don't recognize them ourselves as lies. So God, light of the world, would you expose these lies for me? For instance, some of us, the lies were planted in early childhood. Maybe we had parents who, who weren't able to take very good care of us physically or emotionally, and a lie gets planted. You are not protected by God. You are not seen by God. You are on your own. You're not worth caring for. These are the kinds of lies the enemy loves to speak over us, even at an early age. That lie might have become a part of just how you do life. Or, later in life, could have been dating years where there was a bad breakup. The enemy sees a vulnerable spot, a place of pain, and speaks to you, You are not lovable. You won't ever be loved. These are the kinds of lies that enemy loves to speak. And he looks for those opportunities, those footholds of vulnerability and pain. But we get to go to the light of the world and say, would you expose the lies in my life? And as he does, secondly, you've heard this before, we get to renounce the lie. Rob last week talked about our power and our authority in Christ. We have the authority to say, no, I don't have to listen to you, liar, devil. I do not have to receive this lie in my life. I say, no, I reject it. I'm not going to live this way anymore. There is a better way to live. We get to renounce these lies. And then thirdly, we get to ask God to illuminate his truth to replace, to reclaim. God, what is your truth? Speak to me, four-year-old me, what is your truth that speaks into that lie that was planted in my life so long ago? Seventeen-year-old me, what is the truth you want to speak into my life and my history and replace that lie with your truth? And this word illuminate is important. We need God to Give us those light bulb moments because I don't know about you, but I have a lot of information up here that doesn't always make its way down to my heart, to my psyche, to my words, to my behaviors, and I get frustrated with that. I've been in Sunday school my whole life and then church and sermons and reading scripture and sometimes it just stays up here. And so this prayer is important. Would you illuminate your truth in my life? Make it come alive, these light bulb moments. And as we ask him to do that, we get to wait on him. We get to listen gladly for his response. And he does that in so many different ways. Always matches up with scripture. And often it is through scripture. As we're reading, something just comes off the page. All of a sudden it's alive, it's breathing, it's illuminated by the light of the world. Sometimes it's as we're worshiping, as we're listening to worship music and singing, there's a word in that, in that song that just hits to the quick. It's illuminated in us. Sometimes it's in a conversation, in a dream, in a picture, in a work of art. For me, it's often when I'm outside, when I'm in nature, alone with God, experiencing his beauty, his hugeness, the sights, the sounds, the smells, I'm aware of who he is, and then he reminds me of his truth to my spirit. He illuminates his truth. We get to ask him to do that. This word, listen gladly to the words of God. I love that word, and I think it's so apropos here, because when we listen to his true heart and character, we get to hear words like, nothing can separate you from my love. We get to hear words like, I am your defender, your shield, your protector. We get to hear words like, I will never leave you or forsake you. We get to hear words like, I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. We get to gladly listen to the words of God. I wanna give you a tool for this because um, sometimes it, it's hard to know where to even start. Okay, this idea of okay, praying to God and listening, expose the lies, illuminate your truth. Where do I even start with that? So I'm making available this worksheet and it's um, in the lobby on the tables in the, uh, along the back wall here. And I wanna walk us through it. It is also available online under our resources tab, sermon notes. This is a worksheet that on the left hand side column, it's blank and it simply has this question to God God, would you expose the lies of the enemy? And the reason it's blank here is because it reminds us to then pause. Whenever we ask God a question, we get to pause and listen and wait on Him. The next column is a list of common lies of the enemy that he speaks to us about who we are. Here's some of them. I'm unwanted, I feel guilty, I'm depressed, there's nothing special about me, I am hopeless. These are common things that the devil, the liar, speaks over us. And as you read through this list, one might just jump at you. Like, I think that's a lie that I'm living under. And you get to renounce that lie, you get to reject it. Third column here is once again blank. The question is, God, would you illuminate your truth? As you ask God to do that, you pause. You wait for his response to you. And the last column then are words of truth. I am very loved. I am accepted. I am righteous. I am adequate. I declare this truth. I wield this weapon of light that exposes the lies of the enemy And illuminates the truth of God in its place. Last phrase I want to look at that Jesus spoke as we listen gladly to the words of God is that we also hold to his teaching. So this is from verse 31 in John 8. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples and then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. This word hold, also in other translations, is abide, remain, continue, remain faithful. And I don't know about you, but I love quick fixes. I would love to be able to swing this bad boy once. The enemy is banished. No more lies. We're done. But you and I both know this is a spiritual battle that we are in until the day that we see Jesus face to face. And so we get to hold to his teachings. As he speaks his words of truth into our lives, we get to wield this weapon over and over and over again against the lies of the enemy. And then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's a journey, it's a process, and we have a really powerful weapon, this weapon of light Now, in the Star Wars movies, remember with me, who all gets to use this kind of a weapon? Jedi and Sith, the good and the evil side, they have these. Here's the good news for us. Our enemy doesn't have one of these. He hates this. He operates only in the dark. He hates the truth. Now, he has other weapons for sure, but he doesn't have this one. Only we do, and we get to wield it. John says it best in John chapter one. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The darkness can never extinguish the light of the world.